you pray with me for a blessing on God's Word tonight? Father, we do pray for a blessing from Your Word as it's read, as it's preached. Uh, your Spirit works through Your Word as it's ministered out. And we pray that it may work in the li- He may work in the lives of people tonight. We know one thing for sure. You will accomplish what Your Word uh, and what You want to have be done tonight. Take great confidence in this. There's no vanity in the ministry of Your Word when it's faithfully and clearly and relevantly brought to bear. And so we are glad that You accomplished what You set out to do with Your Word. May we, may Your Spirit so work in our hearts so that we might respond in worship and with life that exalts the one who we are called to remember first and foremost, Jesus Christ, along with you and the Holy Spirit, the one only God. We pray that you'd accept our prayers for the sake of Jesus. Amen. So tonight we're going to be taking a look at 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26. You know, it says 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to 26 in the bulletin, but that's on me. So one digit off can make a big difference, and that's certainly the case here. We're actually looking at chapter 11 from 1 Corinthians, not chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 23 to 26. So sorry if you were reading earlier in your devotions or something, and you thought, what has this got to do with the Lord's Supper? Well, it's because it's the wrong chapter, and that's on me. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, and then we're also going to be considering as this uh, part of our callings as pastors in the URCNA. We're going to be look, doing some confessional preaching again tonight, looking at the Heidelberg Catechism, focusing a little bit on the Lord's Supper in Lord's Day 28, which you can read along in a moment from pages 36 and 37 in the back of the hymnal, the blue hymnal. Before we do that, we turn to 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 26, where we read these words. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And as we look, having read from God's Word, to our response to it in Lord's Day 28, we read from question 75, 76, in a parallel way to what we see in baptism as it talks to us about sign and seal, talking to us about reminders and assurances from the sacraments, this time with the Lord's Supper, We read in question 75, how does the Lord's Supper remind you and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? The answer is in this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup with this command. He gave this promise. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. 
second, as surely as I receive from the hand of him who serves and tastes with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, given me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and poured out blood. Question 76 asks, what does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his poured out blood? It means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ, and by believing, to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it means more. Through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us, we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so although he is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, and we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as members of our body are by one soul. And then question 77 asks, where does Christ promise to nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat this broken bread and drink this cup in the institution of the Lord's Supper? And we just read that portion from 1 Corinthians 11. And then it says, and after we finish that portion, it says this promise is repeated by Paul in these words, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ, the bread which we break? Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we are we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So that's as uh, far as we read from the Word of God and uh, what we have confessed about that Word of God, may be truly uh, truly a blessing to us as we receive the ministry of the Word tonight as well. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's no doubt uh, we've. We've mentioned that in times past. There's, uh, there's always this uh, temptation for us to be superstitious. It's something that when, when, when the children are getting baptized or people are, are partaking of a, or are part of a profession of faith and maybe have never been baptized before, you have these rites that are taken and, and it, it's easy to fall into superstitions or customs. We do what we do because we always do them uh, or we do them thinking something magical is going to happen because we do them and uh, we sentimentalize, we do things just out of custom, uh, we do things because we think certain things are going to happen that never were intended to happen with these rituals and that's certainly something that can happen in uh, the Lord's Supper as well. Even the most legitimate God-ordained rites of worship uh, can slip into empty rituals. And not because of the rights problem, but because of ours. And we always need to keep before us why it is that we do what we do. Uh, including our use of the sacraments. And, and that's certainly true here as we're looking at the Lord's Supper tonight. Because if we're not careful, what we end up doing is we end up forgetting why we partake of such a sacrament like the Lord's Supper in the first place, and then we lose out on all that that sacrament is, truly is and how it should be used. At a time when we're, we traditionally recall the gift of Christ's coming, like we do on this day that we traditionally call Christmas Day, uh, we take to heart once again that the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the sacrament of communion, is truly a blessed gift as well. And it's given to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ 
and and that what makes it what makes it blessed is that this sacrament was given first of all so that we might give to the Lord all the more what is due him in worship it's an act of worship and then also at the same time this gift of the Lord is given to us for our own edification it's given for as an act of divine worship and it's given as a divine instruction in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for our good. And we're going to take a look at those thoughts this morning or this evening as we consider the blessed gift of the Lord's Supper given for the worship of the Lord and it's given for the encouragement of his people. So we want to take a look at first of all that this is uh, a Lord's Supper, this is a communion, this is a sacrament that is given to us to use as an act of worship, to be used in the worship of the Lord. And the place that we, uh, at least one place where we find this truth, is in the very instruction that Jesus gave to his disciples about why this supper is to be carried out. Do this in remembrance of me. Now there are other reasons why the Lord wants us to be doing this supper that we can address in part tonight, but, but this is the explicit reason that's given. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, when you partake of the Lord's Supper, the focus, praise, the spiritual attention is designed to be directed to Christ. Partaking of the Lord's Supper then is an element that is used to express divine worship to God as he deserves. And as with worship as well as with life, that divine focus may not always be the way we would first wish to address the supper. Because it's not difficult to conclude that the supper is first of all to help us and to benefit us. Now it does. It does help and benefit us. And we're going to look at that in a moment. But not first of all. Remember that the help and the benefit that the believer receives, receives it in the context of the worship of the Lord. Who always comes first in worship and in life in general. Worship specifically, life in general. For as it is with all of worship and all of life, the one who is always to be remembered first is God and is Christ. Even though the temptation for us is to make sure that we are remembered. For me to be first place. The attention's on me. That first of all, my wants be met, and certainly my needs. And so let worship be about me. Let it be about what I get from it. Let it be, first of all, about what I get from it. Let it be, first of all, how it stimulates me. And let, it, let life be that way. Let life be, first of all, about me. May it be first that I'm healed, that I'm supplied, that I'm pleased, and, and certainly that I'm remembered. Part of our nature, isn't it? To want to be remembered. 
Don't forget that it's my birthday. Don't forget when I'm sick or down. Our boys and girls know what that's like. Someone in your house is talking about somebody else in the house. and Maybe it's your sister or your brother. And and there's something inside you that wants to say or or does say, what about me? I'm here too. Don't forget about me. I know that she did something really nice or that, that she has certain talents, but so do I. We don't want to be forgotten. We want to be remembered. Because in part, if no one else is going to look out out for us, we're going to do that. And in essence, wave our hands so people don't forget us. Out of our hearts, the mouth speaks when it comes to being remembered, valued, I'm right up there with anybody. I need to be remembered. But one of the things that partaking of the Lord's Supper reminds us, as it's that sign, as we confess it to be, is that the one that needs to be remembered above anybody for life to matter is our Savior and Lord. We need to remember Him as the one who has saved us, who is with us, who is Emmanuel, who is to be proclaimed until He comes again. Because if we forget Christ after Christmas, or even during Christmas, and if we forget Him at the expense of simply remembering ourselves and focusing on ourselves, we'd gain nothing and we'd lose everything. As we grow older, we may find ourselves unable to remember like we once did. And memories fade increasingly. And and many matters may fade from our, our mind's view. But part of the reason that the Lord has given us the Lord's Supper to us is so that our focus in worship, as well as in life, will stay where it belongs. Upon the Christ who came to earth and who saved us and is now in heaven directing us as Lord. And the God whose covenant promises to us as we approach a new year, are standing faithful. And we remember that as we partake at this covenant table. While our needs are important to our Lord, He knows what we need even before we ask of them. What needs to be most important to us is the praise of our God and His Christ. Thought about this earlier. I, I wanted to say that again because while our needs are important to our Lord, rest assured, what needs to be most important to us is the praise of our God and His Christ. 
And we must not lose sight of that. And we must not forget that. And by God's grace and His Spirit, that will not happen. When we partake of the Supper, just like we are to worship and just like we are to live in remembrance of Jesus Christ, who came, who lived, who died, who ascended, who rose, and who's coming again. Because that's what life's about. That's what our worship's about. And certainly this act of worship known as the Lord's Supper, that's what that's about. And since it's an act of worship, it, it is a sacrament that should be taken reverentially. As with all worship, we should see it as both, like we hear in our confession, a command by the Lord, but also recognize the grateful privilege to receive and proclaim that is found in the sacrament. We should see both the must and the may of worship, uh, of partaking of communion, just like we should see the must and the may of worship in general, right? That we're commanded to come and worship, and we should see the privilege of it. It's something that's commanded by our Lord, but we must see it for the privilege that it is. It is like life in general that way as well, that we not only hear the commands of God in life, but also the grateful privilege of serving our Savior as renewed and recreated in Him. With communion, with worship in general, with life in general. If we find ourselves both ignoring the command and neglecting the privilege, but we need to be asking ourselves again if we've really understood what it means for us not only to worship, but what it means to grow, to know the grace of God that's lavished upon his people unto the forgiveness of sins and the coming of Jesus Christ. If that's not the message that's moving us both in terms of heeding Christ's commands and also taking advantage of the privileges we have in worship, including the use of communion, then we need to take another look at the message of grace to see if we, we've really come to grips as to what it means for Christ to have given his body and shed his blood for us. Not just in terms of our worship, but in terms of what it means to live and to live with Christ. So Christ has given this supper to us for his glory, and rightly so. Do this in remembrance of, of him. It is for the worship of the Lord. And in that way, it's a special supper. And it's not to be used, first of all, as we choose. Uh, when we choose or, 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 or to, when we choose or to serve some personal agenda, some individual purpose that we might have, where we think using communion would be kind of uh, nifty. Kind of novel. It's an act of corporate worship. And it should be done corporately with the people of God when they've gathered in official worship. Taking the Lord's Supper lightly is what caused trouble in Corinth. When people use the Lord's Supper for their own personal purposes. Don't be using the Lord's Supper out of corporate worship, outside of corporate worship. It's not the place for it. But while the Lord's Supper is given, first of all, for the glory of the Lord, it cannot be denied that it is also given for the benefit of God's people, for the faithful in the Lord. 
But it's always in that order, isn't it? As in all of worship, so also all in life. God's glory, our benefit, in that order. For in glorying in God and his Christ, by remembering Christ, we become the beneficiary. Even as the guests of the table, at a table of, of guests, are, are the beneficiaries of the host who's invited them there. Because again, when the focus is, is again drawn to Christ, or drawn to God and his Christ, as we remember Christ at the Lord's Supper, that's when we're spiritually edified and nourished. That's how the edification occurs. It's actually when we seek to focus on our own strength or when we try to draw attention away from God and to ourselves that our, uh, that our protestations notwithstanding, we tear ourselves down rather than know the building that glorifying Christ and remembering Christ brings in communion, in worship, in life in general. And that edification, that nourishing, that renewing happens then in various ways. For one, when the supper is first seen as an act of worship where we remember Christ and not ourselves, Christ and his righteousness and not us and our unrighteousness, Christ and his saving ways, not us and our inability to save ourselves, Christ and his complete dependability, not us and our fickleness, Christ in all his encompassing power to save at the cross, not our spiritual weakness and death left to ourselves. <laughs> when they, you see where the focus, when it's where it belongs, we can then see why the communion supper can be edifying. Because the spotlight's off of us. And the spotlight's on Christ. It's meant to be so, so that we might benefit because we find our all in all, not in ourselves, hardly the case, our all in all is found in Jesus Christ. Part of what we are remembering as we remember Christ is his promises. And among those promises is his promise to be with us, not only in his initial coming as Emmanuel, but always to commune with us to provide us with the hope of eternity, communion with him at the wedding feast of the Lamb in glory. What the Supper does for us then by grace is that it communicates to us both the reality of that union we have with Christ, that presence we have with Christ, and it generates the hope that we can anticipate on an eternal scale. The kind of hope that helps us through everything that we have to face every single day. The communion supper, we can say, is a visual rendering of the gospel. Of passages like Romans 8, Romans 8, that would tell us that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Communion's very message is that of the gospel of Jesus Christ, where through faith in Christ, we recall his sacrifice for sin once for all, where we're reminded and assured of the abiding love of Christ and the relational reality that we have with him through thick and thin, and where it breeds the hope of Christ 
whom we proclaim until he comes again and we partake of the heavenly banquet that awaits the people of God in Christ. That message benefits us. And its relation to the word that way benefits us. And it's not just that it mirrors the word, but that by its very signs and seals, the very things it reminds us of, the very things that it confirms, confirms the truth of the gospel to our hearts by his Holy Spirit, which the Lord in his wisdom knows that we need because we get so easily discouraged. We grow so easily tired and weary. It's not always on those things that are so outstandingly trying in our lives. It's sometimes just the everyday things that we have to be do. The vocations we have to carry out faithfully. The parental responsibilities that we have. The educational persistence that we have to carry out. The learning, the understanding of God's world. The, the responsibilities that come to us every day as we rise and as we uh, go throughout our day. And we can easily be distracted besides that by what we see with our physical eyes feel with our physical frame, hear with our physical ears. And God knows that. And Christ knows that. So he not only gives unto us the gospel word audibly, but knowing our weaknesses, he sacramentally lets us see and touch and taste that the Lord is good. That forgiveness is ours. So that we might say that our sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. That we might say with renewed conviction that the Lord is our helper. I need not be afraid. What can man do to me? And we need those affirmations. We, not, we need not neglect them. We need them when we're young people. We need them as we enter the last years of our lives and every year in between. We need them because of our sinful perspective. We need them when we're tired. We need them when we're tempted. We need them when the world and the devil and even our own flesh, our very selves, seeks to discourage us, to wear us down, to wipe away our hope, and to question even our very relationship with God and his Christ. Am I really saved? Is God really there? Is Christ really present? Is he really Emmanuel? Can I truly count on God and his gospel promises? Or should I just forget it all? Should I just forget about God? Should I just forget about his Christ? It's not hard to do. And that's when the Lord's Supper plays a substantial role in the lives of his people. They might be spiritually nourished and revived in the gospel promises and their relationship with God through Jesus Christ so that we conclude, you know, by the blessing of the Spirit of God, there is reason for hope. There's, there's reason for faith. There's reason to get up in the morning. There's reasons to be a parent. There's reasons to be a student. There's reasons to carry out my responsibility. There's reason to carry on in my situation. There's reason for courage. There's reason for joy. Because Christ saved me. I remember that. 
He is there for me now, and He's got great things in store for me by His grace in the future. I do have reason, every reason, to remember Christ <laughs> to the day I die. Because every time I partake of the supper of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm reminded that I'm not forgotten. I'm reminded of how He has remembered me. Thank God for the Lord's Supper. Thank the God that we might use it to give Him glory in Jesus Christ. And that in the process, we might be blessed as we remember Christ. Oh, not just at Christmas, but every day of the year. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, thank You for the Gospel and for the signs and seals that remind us and assure us of the blessed promises of the gospel in our lives. Thank you that you have given the Lord's Supper as a way in which we may carry out our worship of the Lord as we remember Him and also how you use this blessed sacrament as a gift for us also so that we might be encouraged as we're reminded of what Christ has done we are assured of His presence in our lives, and as we anticipate the hope that is sure and firm for us, kept in heaven above that great inheritance, as we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes again and makes all things new and makes His people new. Father, may that blessed gift be that which we see not only as a command, which it certainly is, but a privilege to receive so that we might exalt your name and know your benefit. And when we think about it, Father, whether it is that or every part of worship or the lives you've called us to live in general, when we hear the calling to do this in remembrance of the Lord, that's the essence of the sacrament. It's the essence of worship the essence of our lives. And may we do so, Lord, as those who have come to believe, too, that as we remember the Lord, He never forgets us. We thank You for the gospel joy. We pray in the name of Jesus.